to the Driving You Crazy Podcast. This is the Quadrant Centennial episode. What the hell does that mean? Nailed it the first time. Yeah, it means episode number 25. Oh. That's what it means. It's the Silver Jubilee of Podcasts. That's oh what I'm going to call it. Uh, I am Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I'm 6 p.m. producer Joseph. Dude, I got you a sterling silver fork for our silver anniversary. Really? <laughs> That's very sweet. The other voice you hear is Lisa Hidalgo. We'll hear from her in just a second. Wait, are you two going to make out now? Because I feel like no. this is like we're in a dark, small room. and Yeah. You remember way back in episode number 21 when we played a phone message from an angry viewer upset about our meteorologist standing in front of the seven-day forecast map, flailing this way and that way. Flailing. Right? Uh, well, today I present you with another angry viewer who directly blames our meteorologist for breaking his precious trees <laughs> after a big spring snowstorm. Have you heard this, Joseph? I haven't heard this. Oh, yet. my God, you're going to die. This is awesome. All right, take, take a listen to this guy. Yeah, I'm just calling to let you know, Mike, you're always so happy thrilled about the snow coming in, you laugh, make jokes about it. I'm here to tell you I got some beautiful trees that the branches are now broken and they'll have to be removed and the tree's going to look like sh. And I just hope you're happy about that. I hope you get on the news and make a big joke about all of us who have lost beautiful trees that we've had because of these snowstorms. I hate them. Thank you. Well, he then followed up a few days later with this message. Yeah, is that nice warm weather we're going to get? Mike Nelson going to repair my trees? Yeah, why didn't you talk about that when you talk about the weather? I never see any broken limbs showing on your channel. Just all your wonderful news. Yeah, nice warm weather is going to help my trees, aren't they? Jerk. <laughs> Here to respond... To this less than happy and foul mouthed viewer is Denver 7 morning meteorologist and my cohort in the morning, Lisa Hidalgo. Oh, my. Okay, I got to tell you, first of all, I listened to these over and over and over again with a glass of wine in hand. I laughed so hard. Lisa, in fact, didn't you and Mike create that snow that broke that man's formerly beautiful tree? Yeah, people don't know this. We've got a little room back in the studio where we can push heavy snow, no snow, sunshine. We've got buttons that we can push. People think we actually create these snowstorms. Mm-hmm. No, I had nothing to do with it. And we talked about broken branches, what, for days? I thought you controlled the weather with your chemtrails and your <laughs> cloud seeding programs. Okay, stop. Now you're starting to probably piss people off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are we, that's, are we let's not into get cl- into that. Yeah. Is this the Coast to Coast podcast? Yes. Is he going to take his broken limbs to a doctor, put a cast on it, get it rehabilitated? I don't understand why he's so mad right now. Well, I, what I don't understand is how he says he's so sick of the snowstorms. you got to move out of Colorado, man. I mean, this is not as if this was Dallas and we got eight <laughs> inches of snow. This is Colorado, and on average, in April, we get over eight inches, almost nine inches of snow. So we got pretty much right what we were expecting. Yeah, it's not even uncommon to see snow in May either. Yeah, average snowfall in May, 1.7 inches. So it could happen. So we could have some more limbs down. We, we might be killing more trees, us meteorologists here at Denver 7. And you're flailing. And, have, have you worked on the flailing arms and the this and the whatnot? I feel like I'm flailing less. Have you noticed? Is, uh, you have? Morning news consumer. Lisa's doing like 40% less. <laughs> I feel like I should get a raise for less flailing. Is that going to be in my next contract? It might be. No more flailing. I know. I'm supposed to slow down in talking, and you are supposed to do less of the flailing. Stop flailing. Together, we'll be a perfect combination then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Thank you, Lisa. Morning meteorologist, once again, a huge fan of the of the podcast, aren't you? I love this. I'm, I actually haven't listened to one of them. Is that a problem? I thought you said you like listening to them before you take a nap. Usually, like I'll set it up right before I take a nap, right around 1, one thirty. I'm out within like 15 seconds. Before oh. you even get to your name, I'm usually asleep. All right, this is where I turn your microphone off. Okay, bye. I'm going to go make some TV magic. Asta. All right, so now that she's finally left the building. Adios. Well, not the building, I guess, but at least this little studio. Uh, So here is a story that left me wanting more answers than I was getting. A woman was pulled over by police after they saw her driving with her head stuck between the legs of a brightly colored baby's high chair. Police say she had a, quote, limited view of the road. Officer stopped the woman and ordered her to remove the large baby seat. That was in her jam-packed car full of other stuff before she could continue on her way. What I want to know is this. Did she get into that position before or after she was in the car? I mean, why didn't she move it out of the way in the first place? Because she was obviously able to move it out of the way after the police told her to move it, right? What Was it hers? Was that thing her? Where, where was she going with it? Where was the baby? Where was the baby? See, many questions That's left the to question. be. We need to know where was the baby. I, why didn't she just take it apart? You can take the legs off, right, and put them in the back seat. And then I, put the, I guess. I don't know. You should have seen the picture, but it was wrapped around her head, and it wasn't very good. All right, so here's the headline from the Evening Standard in London. Map apps like Waze turning quiet London streets into polluted rat runs. <laughs> the story goes on to say drivers who use super accurate smartphone apps to avoid traffic are turning quiet streets into polluted rat runs, residents claim. I use Waze. I like Waze. It actually will reroute you through some areas, especially if you're in around like a, a congested town, like downtown or something. Right. Uh, for the most part, if you're on a highway, they'll try to keep you on highways. Uh, the story continues. Those living in cut-throughs say traffic jams and accidents are increasing because motorists are avoiding congested routes with software such as Google-owned Waze, which shaves off time by outsmarting traffic. London Assembly Greens say... They receive complaints from across the capital about rush hour jams, arguments, and lorries getting stuck. <laughs> I believe that's a truck, right? That is a, I believe that's a semi. Or not yeah. somebody named Lorry. No, no. A lot of lorries in London, allegedly. All right. Uh, I have no idea, really, why they use all the silly words they use for words like truck and the tube and the... Governor. Governor. Uh, so they, <laughs> this is really, it's a classic case of not in my backyard, right? Isn't that what this is? When Absolutely. city officials stick their, their, their head in the sand and don't increase the ability to move around traffic, then the drivers are going to be like water and they're going to find the path of least resistance and try to get around it. Well, that's just it. I mean, they did create ways to get around the traffic. They're called these alternate routes. And so if you, if you weren't comfortable living on something that's the second or third most desirable route to get from point A to point B, why did you move in there? There's cul-de-sacs for exactly that reason. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, those people are going to be dealing with more and more traffic as the government Government's not dealing with the congestion that's already in place. Yes, because healthcare is more important than infrastructure. And that leads me into this story, Joseph. You know that there is a congestion fee in that city of London. They charge. Yeah, they charge for driving there. It's eleven pound fifty, or that's just about over fourteen dollars as a daily charge. Fourteen dollars to drive around London. Apparently, drivers are having a very tough time trying to pay that fee through their little phone payment system. And they've waited over like an hour on hold. Thousands of people have given up in despair because of the frustration of holding on the phone. Now, on one day in December, there were almost 12,000 calls to the congestion charge telephone line, but half were abandoned without being answered. And the average waiting time was 15 minutes. The longest was 86 minutes. 
And if you're caught not paying this congestion charge, this is why people were so freaked out when they couldn't get through. The, the fine is huge. It's well over $100, and that's and that's for the for the fine way more, obviously, than what the congestion charge is. Now, you may not know the answer to this. Don't they have a website where you can pay it? Yes, they do as okay. well, but there's a lot of drivers that might not have already signed up prior to this, ah. and they need to check in. And I was stunned when started looking at these numbers. I mean, in the story, they mentioned 12,000 drivers were trying to pay this late, the, trying to avoid paying the late fee and try to pay this, this fee, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say 12,000 people paid this fee at 1150 a vehicle that comes out to 138,000 British pounds. Okay, that I, I, I had to do the figuring on that. And at, at last computation, it was about $175,000. Wow. For one day for 12,000 vehicles. But you know, there are many more than that. What are they doing with all that money? That's true. If they already have these people that are now using ways to try to get around London and get around these other towns, and and it's supposed to be to help reduce some congestion and get people not to drive in there as much, but there's still as much and many people driving, so now they're they're collecting. I mean, that's you got to know it's over a couple hundred thousand dollars that they're collecting a day. Yep. I mean, you're talking north of fifty million per year collected here. And in my mind, I don't even think London necessarily is designated where that money is going. Right. I, I think it, it's more of a way to punish drivers for driving than it is to actually raise revenue for the right. city. Right. Exactly. And that's what they're doing. They're trying to dissuade people from coming into the town. Therefore, if you are going to pay $14 to have to drive around London, it might be less expensive, a little bit more of a hassle, but less expensive than to get on the bus or the train or the tube the or, tube. or whatever the case may be. And therefore, it reduces congestion by pricing you out of it. It's, it's that old adage, whatever you tax, you get less of. Whatever you incentivize, you get more of. Right. And for people who live in London, it's not a big deal because they're not necess- they probably live there. They can just walk around anyway. For people living in the suburbs, that's where it becomes a big question. Do you go to a park and ride and, t- and pay for parking there and ride in with your spouse? There's, there's a lot of unknowns here, but I will say, if you want to keep drivers off the road, charging them 50 bucks a week to go to London is a good way to do it. Yeah, because when you want people to stop doing something, the best way to get compliance is to make the penalty extremely undesirable. There are some new speeding fines now in the UK, get this, and I would call them extreme. Drivers caught exceeding the speed limit will now be hit with fines up to 2,500 pounds. That's about $3,200. $3,200 for speeding. And this is why. Because the fines can get so high because the way they fine people in the U.K. for speeding comes down to what your weekly income is. That's how the courts determine the fine. There are three bands which determine how heavily a driver is going to be fined. So in band A, the driver is going to be charged half of their weekly income. Band B will be full week's earnings, and band C, for the egregious speeders, I guess, is set for 150% of your weekly income. That's unbelievable. It would never fly in the United States. No, never. They say the fines are increasing after a consultation where it was agreed by the powers that be that this previous guideline doesn't reflect just how much harm and damage speeding can cause. Shaking a wagging a finger at them, I'm sure. Drivers still face the prospect of points on their license or even suspension as well, and that huge fine if you're caught for speeding. Now, according to the Sentencing Council, the change has been brought on to create a clear increase in penalty as the seriousness of offending increases. That is unbelievable. <laughs> well... I mean, we can divert here and talk about the Denver 7 story on illegal street racing that ran earlier this week. And wouldn't you say that those people who are driving in those illegal street races 
just on the speeding portion of it should be fine to that band C rate where they're getting a, a, right. um, 150% of their weekly income taken away because they are a clear and present danger to other drivers on the road. Yeah, but do you think you're ever actually going to collect that money? And then if you don't, you have to put them in jail? And where we have room for that? Right. Well, in here in the U.S., I think what you see a lot of is like the fine for speeding may be smaller, but there's a lot of uh, ex- other crimes that you can be charged with that you can also get ticketed for that really up the number there. You can get hit with a reckless driving, running a red light, things of that nature. Right. So one of the unintended consequences here will be by increasing these speeding fines, uh, will be really the dedicated number, I think, of road traffic police officers will be going down. Because if you don't have as many people, if the fine is so crazy huge, like $3,000 if you're speeding and you have have to pay that much money then obviously you're probably going to reduce the number of speeders out there, and therefore you probably won't need as many police officers patrolling and looking for speeders. Seriously. But then maybe, as it's a full circle, you have fewer officers in, uh, looking for speeders, and therefore since the enforcement is less, you'll have actually more people start to speed. Right? Uh, it's plausible. I'll tell you this. It, it only takes one of those big tickets for me to say, uh, I'm good. I'll yeah. do the speed limit now. Right. And that's the thing. It's like on I-25. Really, if the public was serious about getting all drivers to obey speed limits around here, then we would – or use your turn signals or, or other offenses, then you would raise the fines to the point that it costs more than a couple of months of your mortgage, and nobody would ever do it. Yep. But I, like you said, Americans aren't going to stand for it. They're well, just not. And what's the average speeding ticket here? I think the maximum is probably around $500 that you could oh, get Oh, I would think it's lower than that. And, and exactly. It could be much lower than that. I got popped for 90 and a 65 in New Hampshire 10 years ago, and that was a $180 fine. Yeah. Let's talk about multiplying that by a power of 15 almost. And you thought that 200 fine was the worst thing yeah the worst thing ever in the history of fines yep and that doesn't even sniff three thousand dollars no no and i'm a young 18 year old kid at that point imagine an 18 year old kid and getting busted for speeding and having to pay thirty two hundred dollars mom and dad not going to be happy about that actually what it comes down to i'm actually glad the speeding fines are and the speed limit really isn't as forced as much uh overnight like at three o'clock in the morning because i have a tendency to go a little bit faster than the posted limit when I'm coming to work in the middle middle of the night. I mean, nobody else on the road, though, right? It's, it's me and the drunks and the cops. There you go. That's about it. I do know where the speed traps are. I do see some of the drunks kind of merging and some of the semi-drivers that are a little bit... Shout out to all of our listeners who work at CDOT, by the way. Oh, really? I don't know who they are, but I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> you can only hope for the best. All right, we got to take a break. So coming up, there's a new app. This is a really interesting story. And it's a new app that's going to allow you to be a citizen police officer and turn in that illegally texting driver. That story and all its implications coming up next as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I'm Mitch Jeldicker, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. If you haven't watched, you're missing a great uh, team of people and some great joking and laughing uh, and uh, some fun. Uh, (laughs) You're missing some really fun exchanges uh, between a lot of the people on the show. Uh, They have a lot of fun. We all have a lot of fun. and, And if you're not watching, you're missing all of it. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7.
you know, if they're if they're a breaking news junkie and they like to see um, reality and watch a family on TV and not something boring that's going to put you to sleep, I would say tune in to Channel 7. I mean, we're the first ones on breaking news. Uh, we have a very accurate weather forecast. We have very good traffic information from you. Uh, we have good anchors that work well together. And by watching it and, and getting to know everybody on air, it, you feel like you're part of the family. Daryl Orr, only on Denver 7. Welcome back to the Driving You Crazy Podcast. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber, father of two state champions in baton twirling. My man. Right well, on. okay, they, they did the best they could. Second place. I mean... Participation trophy. No, we don't do participation trophies. I mean, they're still first place winners in my heart, though. Right. And silver medalists. Proud silver medalists, right? <laughs> uh, I'm here along with 6 p.m. newscast producer Joseph Peters. Uh, this is kind of some traditional music from India here, Joseph, because I love this next story. A bar owner in Kerala, India, has come up with an innovative way to bypass a recent Supreme Court rule that banned the sale and serving of alcohol within 500 meters of national and state highways. He turned the entrance of his venue into a long, winding maze. This guy is brilliant. It, it seems like an odd law, really. It, it just seems silly. But so many business owners had to shut down, and this guy shut his bar down for a short time until he could figure out what to do. So instead of complaining about it, he came up with his maze idea that would allow him to open his bar and operate it legally within this new law. So he pe- spent $2,300 hired some workers, spent three days putting up a series of concrete blocks that essentially turns the previously straight walkway leading from the main entrance into a maze. Now their walking distance from the highway to his bar is 520 meters. So technically he is now allowed to sell alcohol. 520 meters, about a quarter of a mile, right? Somewhere in that range. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. I'm I'm, I'm not up on my meters. (laughs) The new entrance leads customers from the front of the bar, around the side, to the barren patch of land in the back, where then you have to zigzag your way back to the entrance through the walled walkway. And if you're thinking there's no way authorities would fall for this kind of gimmick, you couldn't be more wrong. Excise officials already admitted that the solution is acceptable since commissioners made the new law by walking distance and not aerial distance. So though the bar, which was right there on the street, was going to be shut down because it was within 500 meters of the roadway, is now in the clear. However, the officials say the bar is going to be fine for altering their entrance. <laughs> I'll take that fine. I will take that fine. Isn't that great? Jeez. Other bar owners across India are apparently planning to try a similar method to bypass the Supreme Court rule. I mean, honestly, where there's a will, there's a way. So stupid. Yep. So stupid. I mean, what what are they trying to do? Stop people from drinking? I. It didn't work, and it, it's not going to work, obviously. He figured it out. It's so arbitrary. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I guess you're trying to prevent people from pulling off the highway and having a drink before they go on their merry way. I guess. I don't know. I don't really understand what the law is supposed to accomplish, and kudos to this bar owner for figuring out. In fact, I wish there were more bars (laughs) that required you to solve a puzzle before you could start drinking. (laughs) Maybe that's the way you should do it. I don't know. All right. On Monday, the producers of our morning show sent me a script that they wanted me to comment on, okay? So the story was about this new app. I'd never heard of it before. It's called Text to Ticket. 
And what you do is you record a video on your phone of someone driving their car while they're texting and driving. Now, the app's first stipulation is that you can't do this if you are driving. It must be done by a passenger or a pedestrian. So you hit this record button so you can get the driver in the act. You capture the license plate number all in the single video stream. And then you hit the submit button, hit a couple of uh, acceptance uh, deals there, and then it sends it off. The app will track your location. It tracks the date and the time and the road you're on during that recording process. And after hitting stop, all of this information is then encrypted and sent to secure servers, they say, where it's then digitally signed to avoid tampering. So this app, the app people, they say they have three independent agents review the videos so that meets their requirements. I don't know what their requirements are. I could never find on their website what those what those are. If they approve it, the app people will then send you either a 5 or $10. I guess they'll send you a check or they send it to your Venmo or whatever. Okay. But they send you either 5 or $10 and then send the video to the local ticketing agency, the cops, who will then review the footage. And they're the ones who will issue a ticket to the owner of the vehicle in question. Very similar process, they say, to the way the red light tickets are sent out. Because really, if you didn't know, there's an independent company that operates those cameras, and they're the ones who monitor the violations, and then they send out the citations after it's all been reviewed. Since the registered owner of the vehicle will get the ticket, that person will have the option to provide the name of the person who was driving the car if it wasn't them, or provide other information about the incident. They can also decide, I would imagine, to ignore it, like many people here do with photo radar or photo red light. Right. Mm-hmm. So on their website, they say the app is the brainchild of a group of friends who narrowly escaped being hit by a texting driver while they were crossing the street in busy San Francisco. They were shaken up by the incident, so they decided to use their technology to provide a solution. Basically, they were saying, why can't we just record this person and then send it off to cops? So this founder and CEO, Jesse Day, he said, it's time to educate people about the dangerous effects of distracted driving. Look, I think everybody is pretty duly educated. They just don't care and ignore common sense. Right. I can get away with this. I got this. That's the mentality of texting drivers, almost right. always. Yes. Or maybe this is important. So investors have also found this idea promising. Silicon Valley-based 500 startups just accepted text-to-ticket into its accelerator program. They've invested $150,000 into this company in exchange for 6% equity. The company has raised over $300,000 to generate revenue text-to-ticket. What they do is they have basically the same model used by these red light camera people. They enter into partnerships with municipalities, with cities and that sort of thing, as a service provider. Then the municipalities pay the company a portion of each ticket amount or a flat monthly rate that they get from issuing these citations. So one of the questions in the frequently asked questions section was this. If someone is speeding, can I report them? The answer, our platform only allows for the reporting of using a mobile device while driving. Speeding violations are not currently supported in the text-to-ticket app. Why not? How far is this going to go? I mean, why not let every citizen with a camera phone become a citizen policeman or policewoman? Does it seem like it's a bad idea for this company to get a portion of every ticket generated? Doesn't that seem like it's doing more to encourage the tattling, so to speak. I would rather see this company get the flat monthly rate and know what they're getting paid instead of incentivizing spying on your neighbor. But what what's even more disturbing, as we're taking it a step farther, is that it's not just incentivizing that company. It's incentivizing citizens yes. to spy on other people because they are getting paid. Yes. 
5 or $10 to send these videos in. So what's to stop them or somebody, let's say one of these uh, intersections right here, where you are just camped out with yourself with this app, and you have it on record, and you're just recording people as you... Because technically, in Colorado law, I'll talk about Colorado law in just a second, but it, it, let's say you're doing that here at the intersection, and you have, there's one fine. Oh, there's another one. Every light cycle you're sending in and you're collecting five, you could be getting a hundred or two hundred dollars like that. This is a very interesting. There's a gentleman at Eighth and Spirits there every day. He's a homeless person and he panhandles. He holds a sign and he solicits change from drivers. If he was, instead of doing that, holding a smartphone and taking video of every texting driver who was at that intersection, I guarantee you he would make more money. Yep. He and, would. And there's no reason that an average citizen like you or I couldn't do the same thing yep. and average close to $30 an hour at least. Now, here's the problem specifically in Colorado. Our texting law states that engaging the wireless telephone for text messaging or other similar forms of manual data entry or transmission while operating a motor vehicle on a public highway, but not when it rests on the shoulder lane or lawfully parked is prohibited, okay? Mm-hmm. So it, 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 the law says nothing about reading a text message. That, that is just as distracting. So reading emails, it's just as distracting. Scrolling through your posts on Facebook or Twitter, just as distracting. Looking ahead at the traffic on uh, or, or the roads on your GPS or your Waze app, just as distracting. Uh, and changing the station on your Pandora radio or listening to a different podcast than this one. Not recommended, by the way. Uh, just as distracting, Absolutely. but technically not against Colorado's law for texting and driving. So it, it all depends on the state. There's also part of our law that allows you to use manual input on your phone to contact public safety in the case of an emergency, like reporting someone in the next lane or on the side of the roadway is recording you uh, in, a, in a creepy kind of way, right? Yep. So there, there's also a stipulation in, in at least in our law that, that an operator of a motor vehicle shall not be cited for a violation unless... Such operator was stopped by a law enforcement officer for an alleged violation and saw the operator used a wireless telephone. So maybe the video would work for law enforcement seeing the violation. Obviously, that person couldn't get pulled over by by police, but you could see it with the video. Maybe that's how they get around that. Um, Distracted driving law, obviously, they're a little bit different in each of the states. And, And although there's no statewide law against distracted driving... Some cities here specifically prohibit distracted driving, but law enforcement admits it's hard to enforce this law. When the police stop somebody, the defense is always, I was checking my emails or I was not texting or I was calling somebody. So very few tickets are, are issued in this in this regard. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you would agree with this, though. They need to up the the, uh, the text of the law. They need to. It needs to be updated. Yeah, they need to update the text of the law to include a lot more of these things. Because you're absolutely right. You can get sucked into Facebook or Twitter a lot easier than getting sucked into a text message conversation while you're driving. And you're reading things and you're scrolling through your Facebook feed. That is just as distracting, even more so than trying to manually input a text message. Your eyes aren't on the road. I mean, it's just like baseball. you got to keep your eye on the ball if you want to get a hit. If you're driving, you got to keep your eyes on the road or you're going to get hit. And so the, so the problem with this app is I, I think most citizens that use their phone, they, they, they think that any kind of use of their phone for even reading an email or whatever is restricted when it when really it's not and, and by some age groups it is but for for the blanket app just to say this texting and you are texting and driving and that's the way it is and they don't know exactly what you are doing so you're being accused of something and almost you're being convicted of something by this video before actually being talked to and, and, and having your day in court 
because mm-hmm. the argument always comes down to a photo radar and, and, and or red light cameras, right? Is it about safety or revenue? That's what it comes down to. People against this say safety is pulling over a driver, not mailing out a bill to the owner weeks later to benefit a private company. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So this app started in California where their cell phone laws out – really, they outlaw all cell phone use. You're only supposed to use it with a hands-free device, and that's it. And I, I really wonder what California law has to say about this. If there is any provision in there, they, it must because they're going through with this and using it in California. Uh, and, and since this app j- j- operates like a private company, maybe – uh, it's going to be in that same category, slide into that same one that the red light camera people do that, right? right. As I was researching the story, I came across some videos of this British South African man who's been living in China since 2006. He goes by Winston in China. He also goes by Serpent ZA. In one of his videos, he went on to explain one unforeseen problem that drivers in China are dealing with because they have a similar program to this text-to-ticket app uh, this is something that we should take into consideration moving forward with citizen policing, such as these apps, because this is not going to be the first of these kind of apps that are coming out. Certainly not. So, so take a listen to, at what he has to say. I was driving up to the shop on a Monday morning, as I usually do quite early. And as I was getting onto the highway, this guy sort of came out of nowhere really aggressively in his, he had like an old Buick, revving and swerving and just doing crazy stuff, right? next to me and um, he kind of intimidating all the traffic around us and so like a lot of people just peeled off or slowed down but he came right next to me and he was like I don't know what the hell he was doing so revving and swerving towards me the whole time so I was like you know screw this guy he's dangerous he's trying to run me off the road here so I just accelerated and I went past like basically went past him on the emergency lane because this guy was just all over the place right so anyway, I passed him, carried on, and uh, that was that. A couple of weeks later, I had received a 3,000 RMB fine. And I was like, what the hell? That's a lot of money. And six points off my license. Now, 3,000 RMB is roughly 500 US dollars, a little less, but it's about 500 US dollars. So it's not like a small amount of money here I'm talking about. It's like a month's rent. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go down to the station and check it out. Like, what the hell's going on? So... And they've got a computer there. And on the computer, you can type in your, your car details, you know, your license plate and your registration VIN number and stuff. And it shows you the pictures. And sure enough, there I am going over the emergency lane on the highway. And the photo is from a dash cam. And it's, I can see by the color of the car, it's that bloody Buick, that aggressive, horrible driver Buick. So it's like, what the hell's going on here? How can I get a, a fine? First of all, a ridiculously high fine like that. And it's from someone's dash cam. Well, here's the rub. Here's what, what really is the whole deal with this situation is driving in China is somewhat of a free-for-all, to be honest. It's very chaotic. People are very selfish in the way they drive. But basically, if you don't try to squeeze in, you'll never get in. And it's very frustrating. So in order to try and combat this situation... The Shenzhen government has enacted a new law where you basically get to tattletale on fellow drivers. And by doing so, they get big fines and it dissuades them from doing bad things in traffic. What people can do is if people drive badly and if they take a photo, you can take a photo with your phone or your dash cam or whatever, you can send it into the traffic police and they will reward you. So basically they give you about 50 RMB 
if they successfully manage to find the offender. So what happens is they send the offender some really big fine and then they pay the reward to the, the, the tattletale guy who sent in the picture, right? So what that guy had done is essentially run me off the road to make 50 RMB, which is disgusting because it ended up costing me almost 500 US dollars. So what this has now caused is it's caused people like that damn Buick to go out there and on purpose try to entrap people in order to make money. And this infuriates me because this is just like the lowest of the low scum kind of stuff, right? But it seems to be the case. And apparently this is what people are doing. They'll do things like go in the, in the slow lane of the, you know, of the road, the highway or the whatever road and drive like incredibly slow, like five kilometers an hour to kind of really annoy the people behind them. So they get frustrated and then they pass them and then they snap the picture and send it off and get money. And I was reading one of those Weibo posts where somebody like in one sitting made, you know, 450 RMB because nine cars passed them. So, you know, here we go. Another little scam here to watch out for if you're driving in China. If someone seems to be baiting you into breaking the road rules, crossing over a white line, going into the emergency lane, something like that, just ignore them or find a safe way to get around them. Because I had no choice. I had to pay the fine. It was painful because it was right before the holiday. But there we go. There was nothing I could do. There's no recourse. They've got me on camera going over the emergency lane on the highway. Here are the pictures. And so that was that. So uh, I'm not surprised at all by what other drivers are doing to earn money. No. No. Sadly, not surprised at all. I, I could easily see something like that situation, scenario, as we just talked about, happening here. Where people are, instead of begging for money, sitting on the side of the road... They're using their cell phone, they're using their, their camera pictures, and sending it off to this app or another app or even police, like in this case directly, and collecting money for it. Citizen policing, and you're being paid for it. Yep. I see a lot of problems with this. Lots of problems with this. Because you know other apps are going to follow, and when you give money to report bad de- behaviors by other citizens, you're really creating a culture of, of baiting and entrapping people and doing things, as he, as he describes, that... They normally wouldn't do, and it is frustrating. I mean, I don't know how how else you would combat that except not allow the citizen policing and getting paid for it. Maybe if it was just free, citizen policing for free, and you're not getting a a cash reward, but I think the cash reward part is a problem. Part of me wants to say that you see police officers now using similar tactics, but I don't think you've ever seen a police officer doing 60 in the, in the fast lane on the highway, hoping that people would pass him and then pulling people over for it. Right. I mean, that's, as you used the word disturbing, and I think it's absolutely right. Um, it makes you want to not drive, honestly. Yeah. If people are going to try to bait you into doing nasty things to each other on the road and take advantage, I mean, it's already a high pressure situation every time you step behind the wheel of a car. Now, obviously, China has a different kind of government than we do, so I, I couldn't imagine that the citizens of the United States would allow something like this to happen, and yeah, they could. would probably, well, maybe it would get to a point, because I think it's already, this app has already started. I don't think a lot of people have seen, or these kids have seen, what the unintended consequences are going to be right. from citizen police people getting paid for turning in their fellow citizen. So, 
I, I guess we'll have to uh, wait and see that's, what happens, right? That's a lot scarier than I expected. This this, this podcast took a turn. It did, didn't it? Right there. Speaking of dash cams and taking uh, car video, I love my dash cam because I have one. Uh, I've had it for three years now. I've posted video on my Facebook page to show some of those odd occurrences that I've seen while driving around. Nothing like uh, I'm, I'm going to get paid for. Uh, but more and more new cars are now coming equipped with exterior and interior cameras. But there's one new Cadillac I was reading about, the CT6. It's decked out with a lot of cameras. Seven exterior cameras. Most of the cameras support different safety and convenience functions like that lane assist or the night vision. But four of the cameras that are on this car can be used as a built-in surveillance system. And, uh, well, and, and for example, like when the car is, is armed, then the, the camera is located in the front and the back. And on the side mirrors, they automatically begin recording if someone tampers with the car, they brush up against it, they touch it, whatever. And really, it would give the owner a, a full view of everything happening around the car and provides evidence, obviously, if someone was causing damage, tried to break into the car, whatever. And, and that footage is stored into an SD card that's located in the trunk, so you, you can't get at it if you're trying to break into the car. And, and the cameras in the front and the back can also be activated while you're driving so that you can record your trip just like you would with a dash cam. That's a pretty nifty feature, if you ask me, if you're a fan of dash cams like I am. And building cameras into a car is not really a new idea. A lot of automakers have included multiple cameras on the newer vehicles, and I think this is you're going to see this as a, as a trend going forward, where you're going to see more of these dash cam-style cams in cars. So it might not kill off the dash cam market, but it still it, it might... Uh, at least curb it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there are many cars now coming with the, all these cameras, and mostly for the crash avoidance systems. Uh, there's a Jaguar that's supposed to have built-in cameras that it can be accessed by an app on your phone. Uh, like I said, I have a, a dash cam and I love it, but and I'm never going to have a car without a dash cam now after having one for so many years. Uh, I do think that all new cars should be equipped with it because really it, it does help obviously prove instances of insurance fraud that's why they were so widely used in russia um, for insurance fraud because people would just stand in the middle of the road and jump on hoods and so the only way to combat was to have a video of you driving and, and showing somebody just ran into me right and, and i didn't run into them because uh, insurance fraud was so bad maybe you would get lower insurance rates i should ask my insurance company if i could have lower insurance rates because i have a dash cam i'm surprised you haven't already asked them actually I, well my renewal is coming up so i should there you go um but like I talked about a bit ago, they can be used by rogue citizen policing to earn money, baiting other drivers to do things they normally wouldn't do. So I never really thought about it that way, but I guess I have to now. For me, personally, it's the little things. Like, I want to know who opened their door into my door in the parking lot and right. put the dent in the side of my car. And so this, to me, would go a long way towards answering that question. If you have the 360-degree cameras on your car, you can see exactly whose shopping cart or whose door was acting erratically. Maybe you can't yep. find that person, but at least it gives you the peace of mind, oh, that, this is what happened. Yeah, because, you know, we had a person in the newsroom, one of our producers. Literally has, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Had, one of the, had some of those cameras on their house, the uh, doorbell camera and some of the other cameras, got an alert on her phone that somebody was there at her front door walking on her property. And so she's watching on her phone what's happening and so she immediately gets the police involved calls the cops 
And they rush out there, and they actually found, saw the people and then gave chase and then had to call off the chase because it became too dangerous. She gave me an update today and said that they that, that Denver might have picked them up because this was out in one of the suburbs. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, cameras are everywhere. And they should be. And I think if you own a home or you rent an apartment at this point, you're foolish not to have at least a front door camera and probably more than that on your property. Because... We live in a society now where people, criminals, believe that they can just take and break into yep. wherever they want to, and you need to be able to protect yourself. Well, with that, let's put a cap on this quadrancentennial episode. Nailed it the second time, too, right on. There you go. I did have to look it up. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it right. I'm still not convinced that I'm actually using the word correctly, but I think I am. It's a little bit too late to go back now and redo the entire show because I just said quad. Quad, I, I'm not even going to try Look at that. I, I was going to ruin the third time. Quadrant Centennial. There you have it. I Very good. And we look forward to the next 25, right, Joseph? Yes, sir. I think 50 would be a little bit easier to say. Anyway, <laughs> thanks again for joining us. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm the traffic guy, Jason Luber. I'm just the producer, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.